Want to pass your driver's test in Ontario? Head out of town. Fashion mogul Peter Nygaard's trial starting in Toronto. That E. coli outbreak in Calgary has infected 231 people, including with severe illness in some children. CBC sends a crew to do propaganda aboard a Canadian warship. The U.S. has surpassed the record of billion-dollar storms already for 2023, and six soccer players are still missing in Pakistan after being abducted this weekend. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. An investigation from CBC's Bobby Hristova has found that your odds of passing a driving test in Ontario varies drastically depending on where you take your test. Herstova is based in Hamilton, and so the article starts by focusing on Hamilton's drive test centre. There, testees are expected to drive on a very busy highway, and one person he talked to failed his exam twice while trying to drive on it. The man, 44-year-old Sébastien Giroir, was told to go somewhere else, to Simcoe, where it would be easier. He did that, and he passed. Rostova took data from all of Ontario's driving centres to see how centres compare with one another, and if you endured this ritual to get a licence in Ontario, you will not be surprised to find out that there are huge differences in pass-fail rates. In Bancroft, for example, 88% of drivers passed the test. The lowest is, well, I'll let you uh, guess. Uh, give, give yourself a second. Try to guess where it is. Anyone who's from the GTA or west of the GTA should know this in a heartbeat because it's something that everybody knows. <laughs> it was my closest drive test center and I didn't go to it. I didn't go to it not because I knew it was hard, but because back then it was impossible to also get a test slot there. It's Brampton, where the pass rate is just 59%. That is also a centre where there is a higher number of immigrants trying to get their Ontario licence than, say, Bancroft. And, of course, you do have to pay every time you go and do your test. I'll also note that the place I did decide to go, Guelph, also has a low rate at 67% pass. And I did fail once at Guelph and then passed for my G in Guelph. Drive test centres are operated by a private company called Circo Canada Inc. Circo refused CBC's request for an interview. The differences also create other weird side effects, like a black market of driving teachers who bring groups of students to out-of-town driving centers, saying that it'll be easier. The students are expected to then pay the instructor for use of their car. Despite all of this, I feel like I should add that my extensive experience driving in Quebec City now is that at least in Ontario, you're taught and tested on how to look ahead of your car while you drive rather than looking at the hood of your car and how to do a proper U-turn, skills that for some reason people uh, seem to lack in Quebec City. Next to the trial of Peter Nygaard, the fashion mogul who's been charged with sexual assault. The number of charges that he is facing has been reduced from 11 to 6, reports the Canadian press. The original charges were eight counts of sexual assault and three counts of forcible confinement. The charges are now five counts of sexual assault and one of forcible confinement. The article doesn't explain why. The Canadian press also reports that he is facing charges in three Canadian jurisdictions, Toronto included, and one in the United States. 
Nygaard has been accused of luring girls and women into the fashion industry, though the Canadian press stops short of saying what they were lured into. It just jumps to the fact that he's been charged with sex trafficking and racketeering in New York. The jury is being selected and the case is adjourned until September 20th. The 82-year-old denies all charges against him. Next, an update to a story I mentioned last week. That E. coli outbreak in Calgary at various daycares and children's centers has grown significantly. There are now 231 people who have been infected. 25 children and one adult are hospitalized. There were 21 children who all had severe illness that caused kidney damage, and Alberta Health Service said fewer than 10 children are currently on dialysis. The article by CBC's Kylie Peterson is light on details about the owner of the central kitchen where the outbreak started, the cause of why it started, or the owners of the chain where people are infected. It again reads like it is a sole sourced article from Alberta Health Services. There were initially 11 locations that were shut down, but four of those locations Fueling Brains, Bridgeland, Little Oak Early Education, Almond Branch, and Brainier Academy. Brainier. Brainier. Brainier Academy. No, Brain Ear <laughs> has no cases. They never did have cases. They were all shut down for precautionary measures, as assumedly they used the same kitchen. 65% of daycare spaces in Alberta operate to make a profit, according to QP Alberta. Next, Canada is out on the seas and Canadian journalists are embedded with our Navy to give us the human point of view of the face of war. CBC's David Common is in the East China Sea with the HMCS Ottawa. It, alongside the HMCS Vancouver and a third ship that Common doesn't mention for some reason, are in the Indo-Pacific, absolutely not saber-rattling towards China. That third ship, by the way, is the HMCS Montreal. China has claimed that the East China Sea is, quote-unquote, its own, as common rights. Canada is there to protect the sea from Chinese property and keep it open to international access. Common's report begins with this line, quote, In the East China Sea, HMCS Ottawa has been getting uncomfortably close to Chinese naval vessels, unquote. He doesn't actually explain why Canada is there beyond a child-level understanding of protecting the sea from a bad actor country, but even then, the article is thin. This article reads as if the Department of National Defense staff itself wrote it. Common writes that his article is, quote, a rare look at life on the high seas, unquote. Not sure if the East China Sea is officially high or low, but I guess high seas sounds good. The article is divided in sections, and the first section is called Safety First. It profiles sailor first class David Eaglestick, a, quote, jack of many trades, unquote, who works on the outer deck of the HMCS Ottawa. The second section is about the cyclone helicopter that lands on the boat and how it is very difficult to land the helicopter because of the waves on those high seas. Next, we meet Master Sailor Eric Suxor, whose job is to fix everything that can be repaired. And then we learn about the adrenaline that Master Corporal Mike Hogman feels as he hangs out the door of a helicopter. We also hear about the quote-unquote big bullets handled by Petty Officer Second Class Matthew Shikwain, who also is in a picture holding some of those very big bullets. It goes on and on and on like this for a lot more, including how there is a band that jams on the flight deck, of course, when there's no helicopter there. In the photo of the band, they're playing Summer of 69, while, quote, a Chinese warship is shadowing the Canadian on the horizon, unquote. 
I assume he means to write the Canadian ship, but that's not what it says. And that's it. War is cool and fun, and CBC is apparently in the recruiting business now. Want to play with machines and weapons? Well, join the Navy. Or do yourself one even better. Join the CBC and become a journalist. Now to news from other countries that actually tells us something. First to the United States. A report from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association has reported that the United States has experienced 23 separate billion-dollar disasters this year alone. Virtually every part of the country has been impacted. Together, here's what the report said. The disasters, quote, encompassed 18 instances of severe weather, two floods, one tropical cyclone, one wildfire event, and one winter storm. Together, they caused more than 250 deaths and cost more than $57.6 billion in damages. This is a record. The previous record was in 2020, where 22 events like this happened. Passing this record with another four months to go is... Not great, but hey, I don't tell you this for you to get depressed, so try not to dwell on things you can't change. Instead, think about all the radical action you can start taking with your friends in your daily lives. And finally, to Pakistan, where six soccer players who were abducted this past weekend are still missing. They were taken in Dera Bukti district in the province of Balochistan. The players were all men and boys between the ages of 17 and 23. They were taken while on their way to participate in a local provincial government organized soccer tournament. No group has claimed responsibility for the abductions, reports Al Jazeera. Violence in Balochistan has been linked to independence fighters and paramilitary of the province. The province borders Iran and Afghanistan and is the poorest province in Pakistan. It also has, quote, vast reserves of copper, zinc and natural gas reports Al Jazeera. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Nora. Guys, it is Tuesday. It's Sandy and Nora Day. We are back. We will have that episode drop for you in a couple of hours and at 11 o'clock. Tickets go on sale for our live show in Toronto. That will be at four o'clock on October 14th. That's a Saturday. It will be at the Review Cinema in Toronto. And if you're eager, 1101, those tickets will be available at thepointofsale.com. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful Tuesday and enjoy the episode that's coming very soon.